The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Dr. Brian Higgins, GP from Galway Primary Care, is with us. And we are going to talk about women's heart health. Now, Brian, why do we talk about women's heart health differently to that of men? Well, that's a really good question. Because when we think of cardiovascular disease and heart disease, we often think of it as a predominantly male issue, when in fact, it's the leading cause of death in women, with one in five women dying from heart disease. And heart disease can be broken down, can't it, into three sort of different forms? Yeah, so what we have is there's three different types, if you like. So the heart is, heart disease is a regular, a a generally vague term, and it's to do with any disease of the heart. And actually the uh, Irish... Heart Foundation has a current campaign, Her Heart Matters, to try actually just give some education to people on the importance of women's heart health. When we're looking at heart disease, we're generally talking about the most common, which is coronary artery disease, which is a problem with the the plumbing of the heart, the blood vessels that bring blood, blood to the muscle. Problems with the electricity of the heart, which are called arrhythmias, where we get irregular heartbeats, which can be very dangerous. And also heart failure, where the muscle just becomes weaker over time and the heart loses its ability to pump efficiently. Okay, can we go through those three in turn, but actually start at the end with heart failure. Is that almost where the muscle wears out for some reason? Yeah, absolutely. If you imagine the heart is, uh, if you look at your hand, it's just the heart really just pumps. It's like your hand squeezing. And as it pumps and pumps and pumps, it pushes blood in this closed loose system around the body. So it pumps blood to the lung, back to the heart, around the body, to the lung, back to the heart, around the body, back to the heart and to the lung. And as it does that, you can get problems where parts of the heart, the ability to pump that blood around um, just gets weaker and weaker and weaker. Imagine the hand just getting tired and less able to squeeze over time. And that can happen due to coronary artery disease, so the blood vessels where the heart's just not getting enough blood over the time so the muscle weakens. Uh, it can happen due to chronic alcohol exposure. Um, and sometimes we don't know why it happens. It can just develop. Can but it just be through age as much as anything else that there's yeah. only so much work it can do before it wears out? Yeah, and as we get older, one of the things in our body is that we we struggle to heal. And of course, as the heart is working so hard, it has to constantly heal itself. And with age, we can just lose that ability to heal. And that can be the cause that some people pass away. It's just that eventually the heart just fails. But as it struggles to beat, what will happen is you can get a build-up of pressure or back pressure in either the lungs or the tissues. And that's why sometimes people will find it difficult to breathe. As, t- as fluid builds up in the lungs and they'll get very short of breath or they might get lost what we call peripheral edema where the blood builds up in the legs and they, they get quite leaky and the legs get quite swollen. Okay, now is that related then to coronary artery disease? And that's the interesting thing about uh, heart disease actually. So coronary artery disease, arrhythmias and heart failure, they can all be interrelated because if you can imagine, if there's a problem, if the heart is a, an organ, but what can happen is, is that if you have a problem with one part of that organ structure, be it the electricity, the plumbing or the muscle, that can lead on to other other problems. So the most common cause of heart disease or heart failure is actually just progressive coronary artery disease, which is what we traditionally think of as angina or heart attack. Okay. And then are the symptoms of a heart attack for a woman different to those that are commonly known to affect men? 
They can be. When we think of a heart attack, a heart attack is when there is a sudden blockage to one of the blood vessels bringing blood around the heart. So part of the heart gets starved of oxygen and that tissue dies. Generally, we think the classic picture of somebody, usually a man, putting their fist up to their chest as if something is crushing them and they, they fall to the ground. Women can absolutely get that central crushing chest pain that we associate with with heart attacks but often what they'll present with is atypical chest pain they might get pain in their throat their jaw their neck pain radiating into the darm or sometimes pain in their upper abdomen or in their back or they can just present with really sudden excessive tiredness nausea or vomiting so the symptoms can be very vague why would that be? honestly I don't know it's just something that we've it's a very good question and I wish I had an answer for you but it does actually show, doesn't it, that a criticism sometimes made of the way that medicine is practiced is that it has often been practiced to suit the male body, whereas mm. the female body has different characteristics which may need may lead to different problems and different ways of treating them. Yeah, absolutely. Like we often talk about these um, the, these conditions from week to week, and we'll often find that these, some conditions just are a lot more frequent in women, and uh, some uh, are in females, and some conditions are a lot more frequent in males. And there is a difference in phys- physiology, and there's also a difference in our understanding of some medications of how they'll affect men and women. Because unfortunately, women ha- are often excluded from clinical trials of medication because of the risk of of pregnancy in younger women. So sometimes we'll get to terms with and get away with medication sooner with men than we, than we will with women. So we've gone through two of the three most common forms of heart disease in women. The third one, irregular heartbeats, arrhythmias. Explain a little bit what's involved there. Um, when our heart beats in a very, very, very... Um, precise manner. So the heart has a, a big pump and a little primer pump and what should happen first is the primer pump squeeze, squeezes and then the big pump shoots that blood around the body. And in order to do that effectively, electricity has to move through the heart in a very, very particular fashion. When we talk about an arrhythmia, it's any disruption to that electrical passage and that can be just uh, an irregular heartbeat which is just a, a sinus arrhythmia where the the, it, the heart is working fine but it just beats irregularly or we can have atrial fibrillation a very common cause of arrhythmias where the primer pump just doesn't work and the heart beats very irregularly and it loses its efficiency and people can get very short of breath or we can have the more scarier scarier heart attacks where you get a very serious disruption of the electricity around the heart that stops the heart's ability to pump altogether and often when we think of uh, say athletes who fall on, uh, fall on the, uh, who fall on the field during play or I need to be cardioverted or shocked. That's generally what we're talking about, an arrhythmia. Now, why does that happen? Because if coronary artery disease is often associated with activity like smoking or alcohol use or bad diet, how, what actually causes the irregular electricity to the heart? It can be congenital. Some people are born with just an aberrant conductive pathway in the heart, or it can happen if somebody has chronic coronary artery disease part of that muscle can get damaged and within that muscle is the electrical network to the heart and if that gets damaged that can be a source of the arrhythmia to develop We spoke earlier about the difference between men and women are there particular physiological causes with women which can lead to heart attacks? Well a very important thing with women is menopause Uh, Oestrogen we know is somewhat protective 
to um, uh, the blood vessels. So especially especially for coronary artery disease where cholesterol, um, LDL lipids, bind to the inside of the blood vessel and progressively cause them to narrow and block the pumping of blood around the heart. We know for women, premenopausally, um, those higher levels of estrogen are protective. But postmenopausally, that protection disappears. And that's why it's, we really try to encourage women who've had early menopause um, or, or even just menopause in general to go and get an assessment for your cardiovascular health. And generally what we'll do is we'll, have, we'll discuss your family history, lifestyle, check things like blood pressure, weight, cholesterol, and we can use those numbers to assess your risk of heart disease because those very vague symptoms of nausea and vomiting. If you're someone who's um, maybe 35, extremely fit, has no family um, history of heart disease and has never smoked, if you have nausea and vomiting, it's more likely that you have a bit of gastroenteritis. If you're somebody who is maybe 65, went into the menopause when you were 40, has smoked 20 a day for the past 30 years, and has a, have a lot of family history, uh, history of heart disease, you're a very high risk of heart disease. So if you have sudden fatigue, nausea and vomiting, alarm bells should be going that it could be heart-related. Well, one final one. Given that we long know the risks involved in excessive alcohol consumption mm. and specifically smoking, what about exercise for women? Is there a perfect amount or near-perfect amount? Because you know some people worry about overdoing it as much as underdoing it. Um, I think the, the, the number of people um, uh, uh, overdoing it are far outshadowed by the amount of people <laughs> underdoing it. So like yes. it's, it's so like it just goes with life and family and kids and commitments to get exercise in. Ideally, what we want is for people to get about 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise. Easiest way to know, light intensity exercise should be able to talk like you and I are talking now. Moderate intensity exercise, um, you can talk but you can't sing. High intensity exercise, you can barely talk. And it's that exercise level of just finding it a little bit difficult to speak uh, that you want someone to be at for about 150 minutes a week. Personally, I always think it's easier to just do a little bit every single day than to try to maybe 50 minutes three times a week. Um, it just easier to build a habit that way. Um, generally, over-exercising is much more problematic in women, uh, gener- or in females, and is generally for males. Uh, but that target of about 150 minutes a week is where people want to be to protect their blood vessels. Dr. Brian Higgins, GP from Galway Primary Care, thank you for joining us on The Last Word on Health. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-